Okay, I'm trying something new this time. I'm sitting a, a little differently, a little bit more relaxed, and I've always been kind of hunched over the microphone, as if I'm like kind of like getting into some type of mood of like talking to somebody, you know, like the intense like PSA body language. Got to hunch over. Got to feel like I'm like really getting ready to dump some knowledge. So I'm a little bit more relaxed and I'm just kind of talking and the microphone is just, ha- just happens to be here picking up some, some noise, which is great. You know, it's April 10th, 2021, <laughs> April 10th, April 12th, 2021. <sighs> it's a Monday, you know. I think what's sort of who, you know, there's, why is it, why does it take, there's always this like buffer period of like, say like you got to talk to, you know, you got to take all these variables into consideration and then you have to talk in a way where it's like, don't worry about what you're saying because you're just trying to kind of find this place find this mental space to speak from and it seems like such an easy task but think about public speaking public speaking is one of the most surprisingly challenging things that we do because it's like you're shifting gears and you're taking into consideration variables of speech that you would have never considered in just talking with an old friend or talking with a family member or just casually thinking to yourself and it's because you're thinking about all these judgments and thinking about how you're sounding and and how fast you're talking and all these things and none of those thoughts come up when you're just casually talking to somebody so it's this it's the fear almost but fear of what judgment doesn't kill you why is there such a fear of it and i think instinctually it's because we want to fit in we want to have this kind of community it's a biological necessity for people is we have to build these communities because there's strength in numbers. Now, there are loners out there. I'm not saying that every single person feels the need to contribute to a community. But historically speaking, we thrive when we're communal. So, as a survival instinct, if you don't have the personality traits or the characteristics to thrive in a communal setting... I think there's fear in there because whether you think it's not a, it's not like if, if we don't have strength in numbers, then we, you know, we're not foraging in in the forest for food. So if you, if you don't, if you can't find people to connect with, it's not like you're going to starve to death and we're living in the USA. So that, you know, that's very different of course for other places in the country. And, and one thing that I'm, I'm going to adopt and, and what I've been hearing from, you know, some other podcasts that I'll listen to is I, I'm no authority, okay? I'm just some dude who decided on some day that there was some reason why I had something to say to some people. Beyond that, I am no, no authority in any matter. I'm just kind of reporting on... I'm not even reporting. I'm just kind of exploring 
the the headspace that I've been given. So just things that, you know, kind of stand out to me is there's this fear of judgment and, and there's this fear of, you know, for instance, I'm I'm running again and I've mentioned that a couple of times and, you know, one thing that I'm insecure about right now is, and I've mentioned it, is I lost all this weight. I've got this loose skin on my stomach. And so I wore, you know, it was laundry day today, so I wore this kind of smaller shirt I normally don't wear. And I'm running, and I was on the same trail I'm always on, a lot of people. And because it's a smaller shirt, I can feel a little, <laughs> a little bit more air, and I start to be a little bit more aware of how much movement my skin does when I run. And it's it's an insecurity. But then, as I'm running, I thought to myself, first off, if anybody is going to see that, see me run, and and see what I think it looks like as it's kind of moving around, because it does look unnatural, I'm not going to lie, like, even I've seen videos of, you know, back when I was playing, you know, videos of me running, and it does, it, anytime that, you know, there's like a, there's like a very natural way that bodies look. And then when things look unnatural, it's just we can't help it. We just kind of, we glance at it a second time. And so if it looks how I think it might look, my first thought is, if anybody looks and has a negative thought, they should question their own judgment. But then the second thought is, you know, I can't control any of that, but what I can reaffirm to myself is, why the hell do you think I'm out here running? (laughs) I'm not always going to have it, but I have it today. And so it was just nice to, you almost, you know, as I'm running, I'm thinking like, you know, I've just got to build what's underneath. I've just got to find that, that, you know, that, that part of me, that core. And I've just got to continue to run myself that today. Yes. Excuse me. I have this, this part of me that exists as an insecurity, but I'm out here doing something about it. And I think that that's all you can do day to day to day. But if you're not doing anything about it, then yeah, the insecurity is going to grow and you're going to have your thoughts about yourself. But as long as you're doing something about it, you're just chipping away at everything. I mean, another kind of cool, um, it just helps me kind of stay, you know, pushing and pushing and pushing is is something like I'll, I'll be doing crunches. So just something small, I'll be doing crunches and I've been um, putting my I've been putting my hands up in the air instead of putting my I usually like put you know I'll close my fists a little bit and put my knuckles to my temples but then I I got a couple of pimples there once so I was like I don't really want because if you're touching the gym and everything and then you put you know you t- touch your face there's just like you don't want some of those I don't know you just run the risk of like or I do at least of breaking out so I've been putting my hands up in the air and I was pointing my fingers and I'll li- I'll lift my legs too so like I've got my legs up and you know putting my arms up and I'm pointing my fingers and I'm doing these crunches and I thought of it like like a chisel right like what what is working out if not trying to take shape to what shape you don't have and so when I was doing crunches I was thinking if I can just like keep like pulsing and keep thinking it like I'm just chill (laughs) chiseling away what I don't like is on me because there's something underneath because that's the whole thing is you just, you work out to find what's underneath and while you're finding what's underneath, you're building what's underneath and then it all meets. And then before you know it, you've got the, the body type you want. And I 
don't I don't like that sometimes it's so natural for me to fall back to this like body image idea, but it's so true because when you grow up, and this was what I was thinking about as I left the gym tonight and I'm walking home. There are sometimes where whether it's because maybe when I grow, you know, maybe when I got taller, I really didn't ever acclimate to my body, and then I just kind of like, you know, wormed my way, you know, throughout life, and I was stumbling and. And maybe that could explain some back pain here and there. Or maybe it's because I lost all the weight. Now I'm at a different weight and, and I'm, I'm still getting to know my body a little bit. And it made me think, what's so wrong about taking a second? And even if I'm walking on my two legs, to so just think, you got to crawl before you, you walk. You got to walk before you run. And it just kind of, it was a pleasant surprise to think about just like, even though I'm walking, just like crawl, just learn to crawl again, get comfortable with your body again, get acclimated with your body again, because if you can't eat, like for me, there are times where I'll be walking down the sidewalk, and I'm like, why did I just take a sidestep, why did I just like lose my footing for a second, and I just get in my head about it, because I'm thinking, am I really that self-conscious or am I really that insecure about maybe someone that was walking towards me or someone that was walking by me that I I actually changed the direction that I was going because of how I started to perceive someone else and and was there really a slight worry that caused a shift in my in my body and so if I can take a second and just actually kind of re-solidify myself and and I get on the path that I need to be on even it's it's those minute things there's so much confidence in just being able to kind of stay un undeterred. If that's a that's there's no way that's a word. Un <laughs> like don't be deterred. That's I don't like the sound of that. So just to stay unwavered. There we go. Unwavered to stay on your path and to kind of so you know. For me, you know, the idea of like um, building muscle and having that be kind of uh, connected to just what you kind of do mentally just stands out to me because I think when you consider anything you study or anything that you put focus on, you're just building that mental muscle. And I was watching a, a podcast today, you know, it was, it was uh, I saw, you know, come come across the stream as, as Joe Rogan was uh, interviewing Tom Segura and it went in, uh, they started talking about how it was interesting. They were just talking about podcasts and like how lucky they are that it became such a big thing with COVID because as a comic, they toured a lot and they weren't able to do that. And then they mentioned how they always need to have somebody or it's always good to interview somebody. And then they brought up Bill Burr and I love Bill Burr. Bill Burr is one of the funniest comedians I was lucky enough to see him in Chicago uh, when I was in high school and how he just does them all on his own and so I went to go listen to it and it was just like it was just remarkable to see that you know here I am as I've kind of done a couple of mine I wasn't really sure like you know what's the correct way to go about it do I want to be you know is it is it wrong of me to want to just talk and to just like do it as if it's me, because there are a lot out there where it is interesting when you interview somebody. And I think that those times are going to be great, but it's just, you know, how, how do I, as someone who like, I, I don't even know what this, you know, 
how many people are listening or like what what the point of it is <laughs> yet. It's just a good outlet for me uh, to just reach out and be like, hey, you want to be on my podcast? Like it just seems like such an awkward interaction. But then Joe Rogan mentioned that, you know, and, and, and Tom Segura said that, you know, to, to hear Bill Burr on his podcast and, and as he does it alone and then to see him perform, it's just that 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 acknowledgement of he's just flexing that muscle. And that's what they had said is it's like you're flexing a mental muscle. And so just, you know, I like to take bits and pieces from, from things that I listen to. And, and to me, it was just really, it was really refreshing to, to hear that, it, you know, especially at a time where, you know, I am seeing benefits from this because I am starting to piece together stories better and better. And I am starting to kind of get a flow again and, and how I'm thinking about things and how I'm kind of forming thoughts. And, and those are getting stronger and stronger that there are people out there that are doing it. And I don't have to worry about it being like, Oh, there's, you know, Curtis is going crazy over there. Just talking to himself for 30 or whatever minutes. So it's, it's just nice to know that, you know, uh, even though sometimes the, the, um, the reinforcement isn't always there just right in front of you, that if I just look a little, you know, long, you know, before I know it, I'm going to see something that's like, oh, you know, I am kind of doing the right thing. And I'm in sales. So I had a meeting today that went really well. It was, uh, it was, uh, with, uh, you know, not to like give too much away here, but it was, sometimes you meet with people, everybody has a different way of, of taking in information. And sometimes when you meet with somebody who can take a lot of information in, in a short amount of time, you have to be able to deliver it in a very efficient, quick way. And so to be able to develop that connection, that link, if you really want to break it down, those synapses of your thought process to be able to connect all that quicker and quicker, then you're being very efficient and I'm being very efficient in my communication. Because communication to me is one of the most amazing facets of being human. And if you, you know, just to go back to somebody who, who thinks a lot is Joe Rogan. And I, I remember I was watching a stand up by him once and he had brought up uh, dolphins. <laughs> Although he, he kind of brought up the joke of, you know, dolphins are like the humans of the sea because of how evolved they are for, for uh, being an oceanic animal. The fact that, and then I watched a lot of planet earth growing up. I remember David Attenborough, my main man, David Attenborough, it had been this huge uh, span of, uh, they showed the shot of the ocean, and I believe it was 5,000 strong, 5,000 dolphins strong, and Dave starts to go into, <laughs> I'm pretty tight with him, so I call him Dave, Dave started, going, started to go into how dolphins can get that strong because they've got different dialects, I mean, they speak to each other, so communication is just prevalent not only in you see dolphins in the ocean and that's how they can get to such massive numbers but then with people i mean look at like a phone for example i mean that just took what we could do as people to a whole nother level now it's just something so incredible 
but you know just uh just trying to kind of you know strengthen communication skills because I, I do think that's a very important um part of, of finding success in in life and you know i think that although sometimes there are some some moments that it would be much easier to say, oh, it doesn't matter. You know, I don't feel like putting the energy into explaining it. And then you move on to the next thing where it would be beneficial to take the time and, and communicate, you know, what's being felt, what's being said. And, um, you know, if, if you're actually hearing and, and listening, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer that, you know, there is a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of power and there's a lot of benefit to being able to, stay sort of aware of, you know, how someone, you know, you, you consider a personality, you consider how they may have reacted to something in the past, you consider to what you may be, what could be transpiring, you know, moving ahead. And, and if you can stay aware of all that, then you can actually kind of, I guess, set people up for success. And you do it through the power of communication. Because, the better that you can keep everything because what what does it come down to really i mean we we i think of something as simple as the movie the coneheads okay so if anyone's seen the movie coneheads there's a scene where chris farley and the daughter of dan Aykroyd and i don't know the the, the mom actress name but they put these rings on their head and i think it was supposed to like um what's what would be the word it was supposed to like represent like sex but it was like just it was all up in their head and i think it's it's such a silly uh analogy but it's it's the idea that the best i mean body language is a huge piece of communicating with somebody but the the next best thing and, and actually the more detailed uh tool that we have is just our voice and, and being able to to vocalize and communicate and so what i think sometimes is you know, how do we bridge the gap between different perspectives and in person to person? Well, it's through communication. It's by seeing, okay, this is how they're perceiving a situation. This is how I'm perceiving a situation. And then you sort of find this middle ground by just being really good at communicating all of the tiny details of what you're noticing, what they're noticing, and then you can come to an agreement. Now, what makes it difficult is sometimes in any given moment, you, can al- you can't always expect the communication to be exactly how you'd want it to be. And, and there are moments of miscommunication. And then what happens when a miscommunication moment happens is, you know, all the parties are included in that event, and then the event stops, and then you go your separate ways, and then all these stories start to develop because there was miscommunication. But the key there is that if you're somebody who values communication, you're somebody who values the benefits of being open and and just knowing that most more what would it be more like most likely more than not, right? Nobody's trying. Nobody wakes up and is like, "Today I want to hurt somebody's feelings." I truly believe that the majority of people don't do that. And if you have that mindset, then if you start to feel some of those, those like that tension build, then you have the capacity to set that table of discussion. You have the capacity to open that communication. 
but it takes it just you have to care i mean if you don't care then you're never gonna put the focus into figuring out okay what what is what is being missed what am i missing here like what what pieces of of what we're feeling am i not picking up for me something that i don't know how much i need to look into or how much is actually like there's truth in it or i just kind of get my own head about it but there are times where to my core i get the feeling that like there's something not being said and i will try to i if i had a better way to explain it dig it out because i feel like that's kind of aggressive i don't always try to like it's not always like intentional but it's just that like okay from what i've seen in the past from how i know how how comfortable i know we are what's going on and so what what gets me the most is when if anybody has sorry about the sirens uh you know hope everything's okay but if anybody has the capacity to understand situations and to be able to assess situations and break down what's going on and they refuse to to i guess act on that in a positive way that can kind of clear the air and instead they just like to see the event go in a direction that they like they're holding on to like i know what's happening but i'm not saying anything i honestly think that that's like there are a lot of bad people out there but the higher you get to like a really good life, a really good just routine, a really good existence. And there are people that are are in those same situations, but they're holding on to that. Why are you doing that? Like why like why? Why if there's a potential to break through and just be like the best, 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 would you want to hold on to that? And you know, I <laughs> You know, to, to kind of half admit it, I did struggle with control for a little bit when I was younger and growing up. But I think it was because, you know, there was a lot in my life that I didn't control. You know, I mentioned just with my parents being divorced and, and having to go back and forth, there was just a lot that was out of my control. And so when I got older, I made it. And I mentioned in, in seventh grade, I stopped drinking soda pop, uh, <laughs> soft drink. So I had control in that. And then when football ended and I didn't have to have all that weight on. I controlled my weight loss, so I had control on that. And there's just, there's something about, because there are moments in life when I was going through those moments where I really, I really almost like thrived in feeling that control, it's just hard to let that go because there's so much safety, there's so much security. And okay, even though I don't know how all these moments are going to go, I've got control over these moments. And the really sad thing, and I'm, I'm glad that I caught myself before it got to a point where it was really bad, was when people become that source of control. And that, to me, is is just one of the uh, one of the sadder parts of life. Is that there's this idea that a person who's just as incredible as the next person has any sort of control over that person. Now, there's influence. I definitely believe there's influence. But 
if the influence is positive, then go for it. I mean, what what would leaders be if they weren't influential? So, you know, these are just uh, these are some of the thoughts that that kind of you know roam through my head, and I'm I'm trying to you know I always try to stay pretty much as as neutral as I can, which is is difficult sometimes. And to be honest, as I've gotten older, you know, consider like political parties and how you know everybody starts to get into political parties, and I've thought about it to the extent of you know, what's the satisfaction there? I, I get that it involves taxes and I get that it involves, you know, this thing we're chasing and it's it's just financial stability and, and having a, a really wealthy, you know, healthy, um, sustainable life. And so political parties have a, a big part in that because you have to decide, okay, who are you going to go with that's going to put your hard work in, in the best position? The other thought that I've, I've had about it is it just feels good to belong to a group you know I I had the luxury of of being a part of a team longer than some people are and so having four more years of of being part of a team and and having it be so rooted kind of gave me that and and so I was able to to kind of live in that a little bit more and develop a little bit more and kind of take what I needed out of that a little bit more but uh, just politics is something that you know I don't I don't really um I'm not too sure yet because I, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a heavy topic. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and think that I can like solve my, my questions about politics in a, um, kind of just rolling esque, uh, podcast, but it's just, you know, I, um, I don't know that kind of just pops up as something that, you know, interests me and, you know, maybe today's not the day to, to kind of dissect that and, I'm okay with that. Um, but yeah, I, I think that just being able to kind of break through the idea that there has to be for, for something like this, for this platform, there has to be, you know, a path forward. And I think to some degree there, there should be, I think just in the sense of like not saying anything that's going to be, um, I guess harming to me in the future as I start to pursue things a little bit, you know, more seriously and, you know, I wouldn't even say pursue things more seriously, but just as, as you get older, things just become more serious and you have to really consider, you know, what, what sort of image has been developing. Um, because there, I mean, there is like a character development that, that I know that I, I've been going through. I don't know about anyone else. Random fact, every, uh, so both my siblings, they were named after, uh, grandparents and my name just sounded nice. So <laughs> that's, that's always something that, that kind of stands out to me, which I'm not opposed to. I think Curtis is a, is a decently unique name. I've never met a Curtis, um, not a Curtis with a K. So if any, um, if this ever gets to a Curtis with a K, um, uh, reach out to me, man. I'd love to, to sit down and have a chat. I thought it was really cool when I found out in grade school that 50 cents name is Curtis Jackson. So I felt like, you know, basically that made me uh, a millionaire as well. And I, um, yeah, it was, uh, you know, I had a good day today. It was incredibly nice out. So nice out. And it's always good when you, you know, you have, last week I had a really busy week because my, uh, the company I work for, they're, they're releasing some, some new things. So being able to just 
kind of reach out and, and give all those updates and, and kind of do my due diligence as a as a rep and account manager, you know, however you see fit to deem my um, position and just to, you know, give the update. I think, you know, it just falls to the communication. You know, I want to make sure that I'm doing my job to communicate everything I need to. So not the most exciting uh, little spiel here, but, you know, I'm, I just have really been kind of opening up to the idea that there really is strength in the process and not so much what's uh, the, the content of it. Because I think as soon as you get caught up in the content of things, you get into an agenda. And if you get into an agenda, you're just, you're bound to run into issues. Because people, at least for me, agendas, too strong of an agenda never seems right. It just seems like there's a, there. it's, it's a little fishy that it hasn't been one, questioned enough, or two, uh, you know, what's the motive behind it? Because one thing that I've found is anytime that I try to really pursue a thought, you know, to and, and try to corner a thought and just be like, you know, and not corner a thought, but just like kind of, you know, think about life in, in a way where it's like, okay, life, I think I figured something out. And then as soon as I, I kind of push on that a little bit, my, my brain just throws an idea at me where it's like, oh, but balance. And then everything just kind of de-stresses. And so when you consider something like an agenda, you know, you, I, I think that that's just part of it is, 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 it's just like how through all of the thought that's gone into this like mission or this purpose, hasn't there been that like trigger of balance again? So balance is, it's balance, you know, it's, I don't, is it a catch all? Is that how it's gotten? Like, it's just been what it is balance it's almost like I, I i told someone once that sometimes it feels like you know overthinking okay so how how what would the analogy for that be and sometimes it feels like you know overthinking to me is like a plane you know you you're flying you're flying you're trying to go high high high, high and then all of a sudden the engine stalls and then you gotta you know nothing nothing you know catastrophic but the engine stalls and you're gonna you're gonna kind of fall a little bit and you're going to level out and you're going to, and going to kick back up again. And it's kind of like balance. Like if you truly have balance, you, you find that altitude, you kind of level out and you stay there. But if you push, you push, you push, you push, 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 push. <laughs> I'm sure that's going to sound fun. Push, 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 push. You're going to stall out and then you're going to have to come back down and find balance again. So, you know, it's, it's, maybe it's a catch all. Maybe it's just something to kind of, kind of let up a little bit but yeah um you know personally i'm i don't know how but my lab if you can hear her she's got her long nails maybe that got picked up but she just she was laying down she just walked up um my little my little lucy girl she's 13 years old i swear she's looking younger i don't know what she's doing but she looks younger so it's crazy that I have the one lab that's going to live another 13 years. It's it's just wild. You know, most labs, they, you know, they get to, I'm not even going to say numbers, but they get to a certain age. But Lucy, I'm telling you, she's going to get to 26. It's going to be a, a tale to, to tell. But 
I love that dog. And you know what the crazy thing is? Is I didn't even want. Uh, I didn't even want her. I was in seventh grade, and my sister. So it was when uh, it was my sister and I. Uh, we were living with my dad, my my brother. Uh, so he was a senior in high school, and he had mono actually his senior year. And I'll just I remember that. Uh, you know, I guess I'll never forget that he had mono, and then so my mom's a nurse, and he's like, you know what, Dad, I'm I'm feeling, you know, I have mono. This sucks. I'm gonna go stay with mom because she, you know, she's got the protocol down. So I'm gonna go hang out with her. And then after like two weeks of his mono treatment, uh, he's like, "Hey, Dad. Um, so I'm just gonna stay here." And so it was my sister and I then. And at that time, my sister started looking into. She's like, "We should get a dog." So she looks into uh, puppies, uh, chocolate lab puppies. I'd, it'd be interesting. I haven't. I haven't asked her this since since we got her, but you know why Chocolate Labs? But she finds this uh, litter in Gilberts, Illinois, and we go and check it out. And it was an interesting story. So the the house, the the family that bred Lucy, they had bred Labs for a while. Uh, but the thing about Lucy was she was an accidental litter because they were done. I mean, I think the the mom was a little bit older. You know, both mom and dad were older. Uh, the Labs. And I guess the dad took the the mail. Uh, he he just like left. Mom was in heat. The 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 bitch, which I can say right, female lab. Mom was in heat, and the dad took the um, the mail. Just go get gas one day. Uh, and the, the the dad was was sitting in the pickup truck. Um, and the and the the man uh so i gotta i gotta differentiate so when i say dad from here on out i'm talking about the lucy's dad and then mom lucy's mom the gentleman is going to be the owner of lucy's mom and dad so the gentleman goes and gets gas and dad was sitting in the pickup truck and i guess when the gentleman went in to pay for gas dad sprints out of the pickup truck runs about a mile and a half home says what up mom and does the deed, and then Lucy's litter shows up. So we get to go pick uh, which puppy we puppy we want, and I believe there were eight puppies in the entire litter. And by the time we get there, there were six reserved, and there were a lot of uh, a lot of the the boy dogs were reserved. And for some reason, I didn't want a boy dog. You know, that was something that I wasn't too upset about. I just think that when it comes to a dog, you want like, you know, man's best friend. You're going to be cuddly with them. You're going to want to like, you know, play around with them, pet them. And I don't know. There's just some, you know, <laughs> I would just rather be cuddly with, you know, a little cute little girl dog, you know, just um, be a little cute about it. And so we go to um, uh, pick up the dogs and there's, there's two left and the one that was uh chewing so there so there were two dogs okay so let me kind of to set the scene here so it was the cutest thing i mean little chocolate lab puppies i I recommend that if you're looking to get a puppy chocolate labs are just adorable they're just these little lard balls and they just have the brownest little faces and they just trot they trot everywhere and they're just these little little sausages but we we go to pick uh, a puppy and there's two left and when we go down there, there's one that's just kind of chilling over by like a lazy boy. 
uh, or kind of in the corner of the pen. And then there's one that comes up and just starts chewing my shoelaces. And I remember, I think I had K-Swisses. Uh, and they were like K-Swisses where you just kind of slid into them. Because uh, it was cool back in the day. And I still have a, a pair of shoes that I, I kind of tie like the knots just like right at the, the hole of the shoes. And then it's just, they're more casual so I can just kind of slip into them. But I remember I, I had uh, orange and blue laces, like thick laces. K-Swiss, little fat shoes. And this dog was just gnawing on my shoelaces. And I just remember thinking, this is a bad bet. There's no way that if we pick the dog that is already going to town on something like a personal item, that that's going to be a good run. So, you know what? We go with the little shy puppy that wanted nothing to do with us. So, we, we pick her out. And then we go to... Uh, they have to finish kind of doing, uh, vaccines and shots and everything. And we're like, okay, well, we picked out the dog. What are we going to name her? And I wanted to name her Pamela. Um, I'm not going to tell you why, but I want to name her Pamela. I was in seventh grade and my dad says, that's Curtis. That's a terrible name. We're not going to name her Pamela. And we decide on Lucy the lab. So we go back, we pick up Lucy. Uh, her name was Nala, actually, the litter the the family named her uh, all the the puppies after lion king uh, characters so we pick up lucy who was previously nala because she was chill she wasn't chewing on anything she was the relaxed dog and we bring her home and she was a nightmare <laughs> she she yelped and she yelped and she yelped and she chewed up everything she chewed up the backs of lazy boys she chewed up you know, they recommended getting those like wooden baby gates and putting, you know, painting Tabasco on it. She probably liked the Tabasco. She chewed it up even more. She, she, there was one time where she was in the living room. My dad, just being the amazing dad that he is, he, we didn't have a couch. We just had four lazy boys set up in the, in the living room. And we're all sitting there watching TV and we're all reclined, you know, me, my dad, my sister, and we all, we each have our own. And little Lucy comes, she, she's walking in the living room, and there was a hardwood floor, and she just, these little, like I said, just a little round face, little sausage body. She's walking, she looks up, she makes, I swear, I swear to you, she panned each of us. She looked at my dad, she looked at me, she looked at my sister, she squats, and she just starts peeing. It was <laughs> just unbelievable, the confidence that this dog had. But she chewed up everything, so this this amazing theory we had that if she was minding her own business when she was a puppy, it was going to save us all this this time and hassle, which is so wrong. And so it was my sister's idea, but then, you know, as I mentioned, my brother had moved out with my mom. Um, here, I'll put my computer on mute here. Um, my sister also, you know, as time went by, uh, you know, wanted to, to go and live with my mom as well. So then it was just my dad and I, and I now had a dog all to myself. So, you know, Lucy by far has been the biggest blessing in disguise for me because although in high school there were times where it was stressful to be a high school kid who just wanted to go and hang out with friends all the time and I had my dad saying well you know what are you gonna do about Lucy what are you gonna do in the morning 
you know how are you going to spend the night of your friends if you've got to feed her and take her out and, and take care of her so i had to have very understanding friends not all the time did it work but sometimes she would come with and then there was another tough situation where i went off to college freshman year and my mom actually agreed to take care of her because my dad was just working constantly and my brother was home at my mom's house and freshman year i you know had to have someone take care of her so i come back home from wyoming freshman year and there was a guy there was a gentleman you know there's a, a gentleman who i was thinking if i say gentleman again it's going to associate it back with lucy's dad's owner but different guy uh who was help he was working on my mom's house for like renovating the bathroom or something and he had a couple dogs and at the time, you know, it was up in the air, like, did we give Lucy away? She would have been, what that would have been. So we got her in 2008, so she, that would have been 2000. She would have been only like two or, th- no, she would have been like five or six. Yeah, because it would have been 2015. Yeah, so, yeah, so probably six or seven. And we, um... It was up in the air about, do we uh, give her to this guy? And I had to make the decision, no. You know, I made a commitment to to raising this dog. We had a golden retriever when I was in second grade that we got rid of. His name was Kobe. And so, I don't know. It's just, it didn't, it was just something in me that was just like, you just, you can't do that. You can't, you can't be the sole provider for for anything and just one day not be there so I decided to take her to school with me and so Lucy she went to college she was undecided for about three years she ended up just uh finishing her her college you know career without a degree I, I don't know why she spent all that time in college without pursuing something it just blows my mind she just sits at home all day now but <laughs> she uh she was the best thing that that has happened to me. And in the beginning, I, I didn't want her. I just I had no idea that I now was a dog owner. But it, you know what's really cool about it, though, is that I've talked to a lot of people, and I do like the unique, you know, kudos to my dad for really pushing on the fact that she was my responsibility. I had to take care of her because, you know, I've got a lot of friends where, you know, we would get to the conversation of like, oh, you know, you know pets, any pets? Oh, I've got a dog. And then I would say, oh, is that like a family dog? Yeah. Oh, so you didn't like, you weren't the sole person to know. And so there's there's pride in that. There's a lot of pride in being the, the sole, you know, she's my responsibility. And I've I've done what I can now. That being said, I've gotten a lot of help with Lucy in the past. And I've had uh, my sister, when I was a junior, uh, no, a senior in college, you know, I had to, I was with roommates that graduated a year before me. So I had to go into an apartment that didn't allow dogs. So I had to, you know, my sister was living in, in Denver, so I had to have her help. Uh, my brother, you know, like I said, my freshman year in college, he helped immensely. Uh, you know, there are times where I would go home during college and have friends help. So, you know, there are times where, you know, it, it pays to have those relationships because it's so nice when you do things for others and they want to do things for you. And that's something that I'm working on because, 
you know, sometimes it's so easy to get kind of caught up in being in an age right now where it's all about, you know, what's the success that I can bring into my life and how much hard work can I do to bring things into my life? And it really comes down to you have to be okay with one, helping others and being able to rely on others to a certain degree, which goes back to the communal aspect that we have as people. And because I don't know if there's going to be any other moment that I can tie this whole spiel podcast segment together, I'm going to end on that. And for the first time, and I'm going to love telling the story about college football, you know, so to go from the high school recruiting speech and, and the story about that process with Western Michigan and Wyoming, that's going to be a fun story to tell. But in these intermediate ones where it's just nice to kind of relax, you know, enjoy the fact that after a busy day, after a busy week, uh, last week, there's always kind of free thought. Good night.